Hey everyone, this is Vibrable Aqua, and I'm a Toronto self-published author, journalist, writer, and vlogger. Um, I'd like to introduce you to my very first podcast. Uh, just a little background about me. Um, I uh, graduated from York University with an honors Bachelor of Art in periodical journalism back in 2010, and um, I continued to freelance write for uh, various publications, including Huffington Post, BuzzFeed, Maxim Canada, MSN India, etc. And years later, I actually became an editor uh, for Heavy.com, and I uh, produced uh, many of their galleries as well as folks on their entertainment news section, and I conducted some lifetime pieces as well. And I also uh, can continued to contribute to The Dish, which is a former site by Keeping Up with the Kardashians, uh, Jonathan Cheatman. So that was a really um, amazing opportunity that I was provided. And uh, then I continued to publish my own books, self-publish actually. Uh, my first book I released back in 2017. It was called Chalk Covered Syllables. And my second book being Vanilla Letters that I released back in 2019, which is just last year. Uh, both books emulate the unconventional format of social media short prose. So basically the quotes uh, you see on Instagram and Facebook. So it's a very uh, authentic type of poetry that's uh, trendy and very popular now. If you're familiar with the work of Rupi Carr, Arm Drake uh, basically um, depicts uh, that style of poetry. So uh, with that being said, um, I uh, did have a, a YouTube channel, and I still do, but I wanted to focus more on a podcast because I feel as though... Um, with YouTube, it's very visual. And I wanted, I, I, my aim is to concentrate on the, you know, um, audio, um, on actually listening. Um, so, th uh, as opposed to just the visuals, uh, the literal communication and, um, focusing on the discussion of a certain aspect. So I always like to keep relevant, uh, to whatever the news is and as you uh, may all know that we're all experiencing, we're all being affected by the coronavirus, uh, this pandemic that has been occurring or that has been declared a pandemic for the last two months. But I guess uh, this actual, what it rooted to be or what it started as this epidemic uh, actually began back back in 2019 at the end, December, um, which, uh, which is when it originated. And that was, uh, just, uh, several months ago. Right. So, um, hence the term COVID-19. Um, but, um, I, I'm sure we all are very familiar and, uh, well-versed in what has been, um, going on in the world uh, with that. Um, it's all over the news, but I just wanted to focus on one aspect. Um, and I, I think we can all relate to this. I know that I can resonate with it personally on um, my own um, level, I guess you could say, and um, even uh, people uh, I may know from other people, uh, let's just say anybody, we're all human and we all um, struggle uh, through different obstacles in our lives. And one of my favorite sayings is that... Um, um, you don't really fail the test of life. Uh, we're all just uh, given a different uh, test sheet. So um, whatever um, experiences you have uh, dealt with in your life, um, they're unique. You can't compare yourself to other people because we're all very different. We all have different abilities and strengths. We all have different experiences, different situations that we um, go through in our lives. So some people may come from an abusive household or a family divorce 
or um, in terms of romantic relationships. Some people um, don't get married until later in life or don't uh, find love till later in life or some of them do and uh, some of them have cheating partners or I mean and I mean in terms of you know anything else health issues obviously financial issues some are, are just born in affluent family some unfortunately are um, they can't control that they were uh, born in a situation of poverty or whatever the case may be, I can go on and on, right? So um, with that being said, all of our um, mental health experiences are unique as well. You know, some of us are born with cognitive disabilities. Some of us, um, you know, genetically have inherited, you know, genes in regards to uh, mental mental illness and um, any medical conditions that could affect uh, your uh, brain function. Like um, there are so many different things we could touch on here, but uh, anyway, I'll just uh, get to the point. So basically, there is a recent study um, uh, regarding the impact of COVID-19 on the mental health uh, of Ontario. So basically, Ontario and the um, human beings that reside in Ontario. So Ontario being one huge province um, where COVID has definitely been prevalent. I mean, in comparison to other um, provinces, um, you know, other parts of the world, you know, I mean, it's not New York, it's not uh, so congested that it can, it can, you know, be on that level that New York is, that they could compete with how many um, people have been infected with COVID, have passed away from COVID. I mean, it's obviously worse in New York or, you know, in other parts of the world, Italy, um, and like, you know what I mean? So Ontario, in contrast to those uh, specific areas of the world, um, is actually pretty fortunate. However, in, um, I guess, other uh, cities or provinces, if you compare, Ontario has Toronto. So, I mean, in any in any situation, whether you're comparing cities to provinces or whatever the case is, um, it seems as though Ontario is, uh, just like the rest of the world, um, being affected by this pandemic, whether they actually have confirmed case of COVID or whether they know someone with a confirmed case of COVID, whatever the case is, or we're associated, or even just a self-isolation. That's a huge concept that we'll delve into later on here. So um, get to the point. So there was a, a recent study that was conducted. Uh, statistics show that three quarters, or in this case, 74% specifically of Ontarians, that which I refer them to, anybody who's living in Ontario, feel that they are struggling with more mental health and addiction issues with heightened effects or severity due to this pandemic, right? So now we're not just referring to anxiety or depression, which I mean, both are very debilitating. Don't get me wrong. I uh, struggle with anxiety and I've... Um, had my fair share of experience with that and I'd like to be open about it but um I mean we are speaking about our population in a general sense right and it isn't just anxiety I mean there there's bipolar there's borderline there's schizophrenia there's so many um mental health mental health issues obviously and you know people that struggle with disabilities like ADHD or autism um or medical um conditions that may affect uh their uh, form of thinking. I mean, there, there's a whole list, right? So I can't exactly, you know, you know, emphasize on all uh, the different disabilities or disorders you or others may or may not have, right? So with that being said, um, 
there's that. And then addiction issues. I mean, alcoholic addictions, drug addictions, um, any of these issues that are intertwined um, addictions um, can be psychological, obviously, uh, right? Um, it could be, um, you know, related due to trauma or the environment that you're surrounded in. If you're exposed to whatever you're addicted to, alcohol, drugs, whatever the case is, um, how you grew up, right? I can go on and on. But basically, 74%, according to the survey, 74% of Ontarians feel that they are struggling with um, mental health and addiction issues, and more, even more so with this pandemic, right? So um, the IPSOS Public Affairs Annual Mental Health Index Survey, which was supported by Children's Mental Health of Ontario and Addictions and Mental Health Ontario, reports a total of 1,002 Ontario residents survey. So, I mean, that's quite a bit, but in my opinion, 1,002 may not reflect a high enough percentage of the Ontario population significantly just by looking at numbers. So even if a small percentage can represent a large amount of individuals, the accuracy of it, like the validity of it, isn't exactly, um, um, I don't want to say question, but it might not be as, um, it might not represent uh it as a whole, obviously, in Ontario, there's way more than a thousand or two people, right? And I, I mean, obviously, uh, for them to conduct a survey all throughout Ontario, I'm not sure what the whole process is, but you know, I, I do have, uh, I've, I've gathered and I've learned some information on marketing and statistics, and even um, being in journalism school, uh, just um, investigative and reporting um, practices, and really looking at statistics when we are reporting in a newspaper article or whatever the case is, and. Um, According to uh, my information and knowledge, um, I'll actually just give you an example. You can't base it off of just uh, a certain amount of people because they don't represent the whole, right? So, um, for example, I'll give I'll give this as a hypothetical or even just as um, something that actually is a reality, but it's um, something that's of uh, past um, anything that uh, deals with adjusting numbers. So um, unemployment in the past is, is at a lower percentage in Ontario overall, or was, I mean, with this pandemic, I'm assuming that we have uh, begun in a recession, right? So, um, so, but before in a few, in the last few years, I guess you could say, um, you know, they said that um, Ontario had a 6% unemployment um, rate um, depicting, you know, any uh any Ontarian of at any age, right? So uh, there's that. Or if you focus on the 18% unemployment rate at one point a few years ago, um, for youth ages 18 to 30 or age 25, and again, what your definition of youth is um can um vary in uh various states, provinces, cities, whatever the case is, it still reflected hundreds of thousands of Ontarians that were were un or unemployed. So um, when you look at the 18% youth unemployment rate, you're thinking, oh, but what about the other 82%? Those people are working, right? Well, the thing is, is that 18% of all Ontarians that are youth, that's still hundreds and thousands, hundreds of thousands, not millions, but hundreds of thousands that are unemployed. So that's still a lot overall, right? Um, to be fair. Um, and I believe that um, the majority, yes, the majority may be 82%, which accounts for most individuals living in Ontario. However, it doesn't mention who's employed in what sense, like in the that employment rate, that could be people who are just working part-time, like once a week, or people who work odd jobs here and there, they're on call, and they don't even work once a week, or they're self-employed, and they hire themselves because there's a lack of employment out there. They had to create these 
jobs for themselves, uh, right? So, I mean, that's not reflecting a whole, um, you know, number. So that that's what I mean. So really, numbers don't tell you everything when you read statistics and interpret them for yourself. Like, the survey was also conducted between just a period of April 28th to April 30th. That's only a two-day span, right? And this either depicts intense or inaccurate results. So it could be that this does actually reflect uh, the mental health situation in Ontario, right? However, I'm not like I'm not gonna um, dispute that or minimize um, that uh, reality. Obviously, you would assume, um, even from um, others' experiences, that if you're isolated uh, for two months, um, people who don't have many friends don't who can't see their family because maybe their family's elderly or whatever the case may be. If people are really uh, staying true to social distancing, that they cannot. Um, you know, see everyone, if they already struggle with mental health issues and they feel even more isolated, if they're depressed, if they're lost in their thoughts, then that could be very dangerous, right? So um, 45% of Ontarians alleged that their mental health has exacerbated since self-isolation prerequisites were introduced at the start of the pandemic. So like I said, right, and like I predicted, um, that they do feel, people in Ontario do feel that um, their mental health has has deteriorated since, um, you know, the pandemic has started and since these social distancing or self-isolation, um, you know, prerequisites or policies were introduced that we have to obey by them or we're breaking a law. Business is closing. We can't go to restaurants. We can't go to gyms. We can't go to stores. I mean, they might open a curbside delivery for, um, or pickup for stores, but, um, but I mean, even then you're only interacting with others um, person to person, face to face, in um, a, a very temporary sense. Um, you know, yes, we um, maintain online communication or phone communication. That's how we stay in touch, and that's also very important, especially during this time. And it's the way of the world. It's technology. We're in the year two thousand twenty. However. Um, I mean, we can't just resort uh, to that uh, for the rest of our lives. Uh, we need to see people in person, right? Um, we're not hobbits, right? So um, with that being said, I mean, I did outline the issue here that even though these statistics don't outline the whole situation in Ontario mental health, um, it's obviously evident uh, that, um, you know, human beings, anybody who lives in Ontario, is struggling with mental health or anywhere in the world, right? But specifically, um, this is the issue that's being said that they uh, many Ontarians feel that their mental health has deteriorated and they're living in their own bodies. They're um, experiencing their own feelings. So they know for themselves what they're going through, right? So they can speak for themselves, right? So basically... Um, um, what they want to introduce into this new plan is long-term staffing, online counseling or therapy. And I am uh, very aware that um, uh, there are therapists that are offering their services online or over the phone. Um, some of them for free because uh, unfortunately with this pandemic, despite the CERB funding, um, those who are getting compensated through work uh, as being an essential worker or um, for those who who aren't able to work because obviously businesses are closed unless they work online from home, let's just say, um, they obviously uh, cannot attend a therapy in person or they might not be able to afford um, therapy over the phone, right? So there are options, I'm sure, available through hospitals. Um, and I've seen them online everywhere. Um, these online therapists, legitimate online therapists, or even um, therapists that you would normally go see in person that are offering their services over the phone. So there's that. And um, that way, parents and family caregivers can go back to work, right? Um, so 59% of parents surveyed said that their children 
specifically, um, and we're not just uh, speaking about a certain age group here when we talk about uh, mental health in Ontario, but even children who may not be um, a conscious of, of what they're experiencing, if they may not even um, know about mental health. Uh, uh, parents are surveying uh, that their children have more outbursts, difficulty sleeping, irritability, and sadness. Um, so basically, um, when you're a child and you're a parent dealing with the child that's going through this, it could be very frustrating considering that a child may not understand, um, you know, even if they are informed by their schools or whatever the case is, if they do schooling online, I know that um, some um, schools do provide that option uh, where um, teachers will video chat with their students and uh, provide these lessons uh, to catch them up. Uh, I mean, you know, anybody dealing with that um, knows that children can't understand. So it's affecting them too. And when they don't, they aren't aware and they, even if you do explain to them, they're not old enough to understand. Um, it could be very, um, it could be very frustrating, right? So there's that. Um, um, they definitely want to invest in resources to limit the increase in wait lists. So, I mean, enough said, um, even before this pandemic happened, we all know that um, wait lists in Ontario or anywhere um, for mental health, I mean, so many people struggle with it. So there's a shortage of doctors, a shortage of resources. And, you know, if you are trying to be assessed uh, to be diagnosed with a mental illness or disability, we all know these you know, wait lists can be years long um, with some therapists, months long, possibly, but um, even with expenses, and in this case, expenses, I mean, hopefully don't apply or there is, you know, um, some sort of um, uh, discounted, you know, um, fee if, if people are charging others for therapy. Um, you know, a lot of these uh, therapists are expensive uh, in, you know, in a general sense before this pandemic occurred, um, you know, they cost a hundred, hundreds of dollars or a hundred or $200 every week to go to therapist. Or if you are trying to receive an assessment or treatment, it could be a few thousand, right? So, I mean, again, I'm speaking about this in a general sense, so I can't allude to a particular, uh, situation here and meds. I mean, medication can be also very effective with side effects. So, I mean, these are the realities. I mean, we can only do so much, right? We can only control so much, but, um, with that being said, um, there is usually a limit and it, it seems like even though healthcare is free in Ontario, um, there are certain services that seem exclusive, um, to others in, in sense of how long you will wait on a wait list or how much you can afford if you are, um, affluent enough or fortunate enough to be able to, uh, purchase, um, meds and, and, um, you know, expensive therapy, but, um, that's near there. So I, I basically emphasize that, but the provincial government announced on Tuesday that it'll be extending virtual mental health services to accommodate Ontarians sitting home during the, this pandemic, free online programs provided for all of Ontario. So, uh, that's good. And I hope, uh, they, um, do uh, go through with that soon. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, mental health is a very, uh, complicated, um, vast issue um i'm gonna say issue but like you know um subject right um so i have definitely uh, gone through my um own share of anxiety uh attacks and struggles and i'd like to start a conversation and uh elaborate on that and with you all and i want you to all know that we are all in this together we're all experiencing the same issue especially the pandemic but also with our own um individual unique situations although however 
you are not the only ones uh, experiencing those situations. There's always someone in the world that's going through divorce or, um, you know, abuse or whatever the case is, any form of trauma, um, no judgment. We're all here to heal, uh, to let each other know that we're not alone. So um, I really, though, hope that us has shed light on the recent situation in mental health in Ontario during this pandemic. And uh, I uh, will aim to make this a weekly podcast or maybe more often. Um, this is my first time. So uh, I hope you appreciate and um can, um, you know, gather, um, acquire some benefit, um, through this podcast. And I hope to hear from you all soon. Uh, stay safe. Take care.